It's a month of miracles, yes. and it's a year of miracles, and it's a decade of miracles, yes. and they're all around us, and they're in us, yes. sometimes bodily, sometimes just in our hearts. I keep hearing about the miracles. I started to speak on something different. When I first heard that I would be speaking today, I started to prepare on every when. You will be glad to know that the Lord changed me. <laughs> because that was so technical. And we're not in a technical place. There are good things to learn from it. But what we're learning about now is him. Last week, Robert said very clearly, it's the preeminence of the presence of Christ that drives us. His presence is everything and encompasses everything. We don't need to look somewhere else about whatever is going on. Because he is everything that's going on. So today we're going to talk about the lampstand. It's no less controversial. And it challenges a bunch of notions that are widely held. But it certainly is more in line with where we are now than every when is. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to take me only where you are going. It's only you, Lord. It never will be anything else. guide me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I first discovered this scripture for what it was 
after studying the whole book extensively and never getting it, never getting this one little crystal. I'm going to start, if you want to turn there in your devices or whatever you're carrying. Hmm, that's interesting. No, just a moment. Huh, that's interesting. Ah. I'm going to start in Revelation 1, starting with verse 10. I had always studied res uh, Revelations. Uh, I shouldn't say Revelations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not a group of visions, though there are visions. It is who Christ is in reality. The risen Christ is exposed as he is in Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. That's the true title. It's knowledge from him to John about him. So it's not hearsay. Not the least bit. I always studied... Revelation 1 as a unit, thinking it was the introduction to the whole book. And it is, but it's a lot more. We put the chapter beginnings and endings in place as we organize the scripture to make it easy to study. But it doesn't always work that way. Now I'm going to start in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it's John talking, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and saying, What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. He's referring to the menorah. We'll see more about that later. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Seeing Christ in his glorified form, John was struck, and he fell on his face. But Jesus touched him and got him up, there was work to do, 
and there was an explanation to pass on. Now, continuing from verse 20, Jesus is explaining, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. You notice that he says, Jesus says, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Then he says, the seven lampstands which you saw, a form of emphasis, are the seven churches. Now, I had always looked at that statement, both parts of it, as symbolism. The book of Revelation is a document that was written in apocalyptic form, and it has lots of symbolism. It has lots of um, metaphor. It has lots of, uh, I want to say, spiritual reference among the physical references. And sometimes it's difficult to discern between the two. We're not used to this kind of writing. We're Western, one cog fits behind the next, and everything works like a clockwork. That's how we got <laughs> to a terrible place called Deus Ex Machina, God outside the machine. We we get too mechanistic about things. We get too literal, much too literal. So we're challenged in Revelation with that, but I had always looked at these two statements as symbolism and, and really nothing more. The Lord will show us things through symbolism, and it's true. And he has his prophets. We'll get to some of that later, too. But now, the next thing I did was I read through, for the first time ever, I read through, this is about four years ago, roughly, I read through into Revelation 2. And most of you may know that Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 are seven letters that he dictates to seven churches in what was known as Asia, now known as Turkey. Those seven churches had been planted when the uh, um, Christians left Jerusalem, fled Jerusalem after the stoning of Stephen uh, during that time. So there were seven established churches in Asia. 
And he writes seven letters. He actually dictates them to John. John is to take them down and physically send letters to the angel of each church. So we're not talking about a God-created angelic supernatural being. We're talking about a messenger because that's the pure meaning of the word angel that's used here. So most interpreters agree that we're talking about basically the pastor of each church, the founder of each church, if you will. So starting in Revelation 2, 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. High praise. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Well, so much for symbolism. The star is a person, and in his palm there were seven. And the lampstand is a church. And he was walking amidst seven. But what is he saying here? Look, it's not about getting everything right or else the hammer falls. That's not what he's saying though it may sound like that. It's not about a God who is waiting to see if we toe the line. It's about first love. And first love is so important that he can't supply anything else. It's about the very definition of a church. Here's where it gets controversial. We can talk later. (laughs) 
the preeminence of Christ and the immediacy of our relationship with him is secure in the church. Let me go into some definitions here so you'll understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. There is a church. We are one. We're a family here, right? Now, are we family with the church that's right down the road? You see, you see now, now there's the question that comes up. Which one is it? Okay. Are we family with them? Are we expected to be family with them even? I contend not. We are to be one with all Christians. But we can only be family with our congregation. And he has provided for that. And so often we miss that. We're so busy saying that a church is not bricks and mortar. And a church is not a 501c3 document. And a church is not a set of bylaws whether denominational or not. We're so busy saying that that we immediately go over to the definition of the church and we misappropriate it, I believe, to describe a church, our church, and we say a church is the people. Well, there's some ground for that. But that's not what Jesus said. He expressed it very clearly here. And if you take out the chapter division, which is artificial, you see the pattern. What did he say? To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. What is a lampstand, according to Jesus, spoken to John, it is a church. Now, how do we get a handle around that? If a church is not the people, then what is the people? The people are the church. Where is the temple? 
It's in the heart. The veil is torn. Can we all agree? The veil is torn. And the temple of God is now in the heart of the believer. And we are all related by that heart love. We are all made one in the church, the body of Christ. And I think we can all agree that the body of Christ is not limited to this congregation. I mean, duh. But this congregation is a member of the body of Christ. But it's unique. Everybody who comes here to guest speak, including myself, <laughs> says, this place is unique. What is that? Um, I think it has a lot to do with first love. But more than that, it has to do with the lampstand set by God. Because every church that is a church is unique. Let's take a look now. I guess I haven't missed anything in here. <laughs> Let's take a look now. I'm going to go to... Exodus 25, if you're following. Couldn't figure out in fairly short order how to get what I have on my screen up on those screens, but I think you can follow. God is speaking to Moses, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Big commission. According to all that I show you, I'm in verse, I'm sorry, I'm starting in verse 8, and I think in 9 now. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. We're starting to get a picture of how exacting, compliance-oriented the Old Testament church was. Very compliance-oriented. Why? Because they were creating a hostile, if you will, a nest into which the Spirit of God could nestle. There were things that were types of things in heaven. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its sides. 
three branches of the lampstand on one side and three branches of the lampstand on the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same and a knob under the second two branches of the same and a knob under the third two branches of the same according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold. And you shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give a light in front of it. Important little point there. Arrange its lamps. It says, you shall make seven lamps for it, for the lampstand. The lamps are not the lampstand. The lamps fit into the lampstand. Uh, is there a picture in your list? Whoa! Is there a picture in your list uh, of a lampstand? I should have asked earlier. Okay. All right. Trust me. If you're familiar with the image of a menorah, okay, this is exactly what is talked about here. Except it's real big. And its wick tremors and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. Now let's kind of see what that means. A talent, that's about 75 pounds of pure gold. A few years ago, that summed up to about a million and a quarter in cash. And that's what was asked of the people. And it, that, did, that doesn't include the artisan's worth, the work that went into it. This is taking one piece of pure gold and hammering it. And by the way, each branch is a tube. In the base, there is a main bowl that receives oil. And according to what 
height the oil rises in the tubes, you can use different bowls to put more in. Each lamp has a long wick that can go all the way down into the bottom reservoir. Now, that wick, when lit off, draws its oil from the lampstand. There is no other source of oil. So think about it. We are the lamps. We are both members of his body on the one hand, and we're lamps in the local church. Now, we're allowed to take our light out. In fact, there's reference to that. But each church receives a lampstand. We don't make it. That was for the Old Testament church. That was for the ta tabernacle of meeting. And let me show you one other thing real quick. Let me, let me start here. The lampstand was made of pure gold. So were the lamps. The reflectors on the lamps were made of brass, beaten brass. They were directional. Gold is the most precious metal that we have. And it speaks of the refiner's fire. So there is symbolism there. It's formed like an almond tree. Remember that Aaron's rod bloomed as an almond tree? The almond tree is the symbol of hope and renewal. It's the first sign of spring. You could say that the lampstand in itself is miraculous because it has to do with God dwelling among man in a whole nother way but fulfilling all the ways that we know and are familiar with. The Lord spoke to Moses. I'm in uh, Numbers 8, 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. We're not supposed to turn the lamps in. 
towards each other. That's not what they're for. Jesus talked about that, and we'll see that in a minute. So where does the lampstand come from? Jesus said that the lampstand is a church. And he tuned up and wrote, dictated, I should say, seven letters to seven churches. And the first one makes it very clear that the lampstand is a church. It comes from God. He's the one who has made the call. He's called our pastor. And he's graduated our pastor. And we're in that process now of making determinations together that lead this church further in what he's doing. But it's what he is doing. It's the preeminence of Christ that matters. What we think has changed a number of times. And every time almost I hear Robert go back into the history of this church, he avows that. What we're doing is coming into alignment with the oil that he has placed in our lampstand. He blends that oil. Our light doesn't look the same as others. It just doesn't. And that's right. And it's equally right that others don't look the same as ours. It comes into question with what he said to the church in Ephesus. It comes into question Yes, I will. It comes into question how many professing Christians in this country have seen a church. Now that may seem to be a hard word, but it's a loving word. Is a church, <clears throat> is a church something that we make? It's made up of members who are lamps and are willing to get their top singed. Because when you light it on fire, it doesn't matter how much oil is supplied. You're going to get your top singed. That's a part of the process.
not far from landing this plane. There are a couple of things I want to clarify, though. Back in the Old Testament, we're in Leviticus 24. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, <clears throat> saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. We had maintenance. We had the provision. We had to do everything and all we could do there was the sacrifice of bulls, basically on a yearly basis, to cover sin. The sacrifice has now been made. And what has happened? The provision is now by him. both the lampstand and the oil. It's interesting. The Maccabees had uh, a time when the oil persisted and it should have burned out. And the Jews celebrate Hanukkah on that basis. Kind of makes you wonder why it didn't burn out. Who was the provider? Well, we've got a lampstand right here. And it's not one we made. And it's not one we maintain. It's our hearts we maintain. When we soak up the oil, it's the oil that he blended. We have to turn so that we shine our light forth. That's what brings unity in the body. And let's talk about what Jesus said about that. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to go, I have barely enough time, I'm going to go to Zechariah. When I, when I saw this whole literal thing before me, uh, I was shocked because I was a, um, it's in it, it's us. It's our hearts that is the church. It's a church, and I had never really much differentiated between a church and the church. I knew there was 
the church in most any church, but I didn't know that there was a difference between the church and a church. I'm in Zechariah 4, starting in verse 1. Zechariah had the fifth vision, um, night vision, we'll call it, um, at this point uh, of, a, of a whole string of visions. At the time, Zerubbabel was involved in rebuilding the temple, which had been destroyed by a conqueror, and they were now released after 70 years, if I'm tying to the right point, they were now released to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and the temple. Zechariah 4, starting in verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So you've got a menorah, a lampstand, and you've got a bowl over it that's receiving oil from two presumably long-established olive trees. The oil normally comes from the pressing of olives, but this oil is coming straight from the trees, and it's replenishing continually the oil in the menorah, in the, in the lampstand. We're talking an Old Testament time here. They hadn't even cleaned up the altar that had been burned with fire. And here comes this vision of constant provision of oil for the lampstand. This is different. This would be odd to the people of the time. Going to verse 4, So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Well, how transparent Zechariah was. And how unjudgmental the angel was. 
rather than rebuking, he says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, I don't know of a more cogent statement to us than that. We've got a lot of conflict going on. Zerubbabel had conflict going on. The Samaritans were trying to keep him from rebuilding the temple. They were just fine with it being in ruins. And they were guarding against attack. And they were trying to get the people organized to do this. And Zerubbabel was not having a lot of luck in it. This was said, this, this vision was given. And the statement to Zerubbabel was commanded to encourage him. To encourage all of. Jerusalem to rebuild because the Lord was in it. But you know, it's got a place that speaks to us because it talks about a different kind of of lampstand, a lampstand that is not supplied by our power, by our doing. It's working to a lampstand that is to come. So it is prophetic in that way too. Now let's talk about what Jesus said. I'm in Matthew 5, starting in verse 14. Very familiar. You are the light of the world. You are the lamps. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. Now we know what that means now. On a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It's interesting he should put it that way. When we come to church, we say we're in the house. <laughs> I wonder if that's actually a coincidence. We're in the house. And the lampstand is supplying oil to each one of us. It's the lampstand that he put here. It's the oil that he put here. 
Lord, we're making a place where you can dwell. Those are the words, the first words of a song that I got a few years ago. We need the presence of your spirit. Jesus' provision comes by the Holy Spirit. He is the oil. We need to saturate our wicks in him. We need to take the fire. It's no coincidence. We're coming up on Pentecost. And it's no coincidence that there were tongues of fire that showed the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some people got ignited that day. There's There's some questions of the ramifications of this way of looking at things, at looking at what a church is. Do we leave behind this relational order that we have here because the church is not each one of us? a church, our church, our congregation? No, because that's not true. Each one of us is a lamp. We are relational. However much light we shine out onto that street and whatever street we traverse every day, however much light we shine there, only magnifies the amount of light that's here. His provision is good. It's complete. And it's unique. There are things that this church doesn't do that other churches do and excel in. There are things that this church does that other churches don't do and we excel. It's a whole mixture, but it's God's mixture. There are ramifications. We are a miraculous church. But when you look at it, every church that is a church is miraculous. Sometimes they don't even know it. Sometimes they don't even know it. There's a good place where the body of Christ, the church, can operate to illuminate. So there is something to connecting the church 
and our church and other churches Just a real quick one. There was a discovery made not long ago, and this just popped on me, and I've got to say it. There was a discovery made a while back by a botanist that most of the hair roots on trees aren't hair roots at all. Most of them are micro, microscopic tubular organisms that live symbiotically. They live in cooperation with the trees because trees can't mine the minerals they need from the soil. Their roots aren't fine enough and they don't have what it takes. These Tubular organisms need sugars, and they get it from the trees. But they actually mine the rocks in the soil, and the sand even in the soil, for minerals that the trees need in order to make wood. If there, this relationship were not the case, no tree would be taller than about a foot and a half. They would all be shrubs. But even more than that, making wood allows them to create forest environments. And there's a network of these tubules connecting the trees. If a fir tree is growing next to an oak tree, they don't care, they're still connected. If an insect infestation starts on one side of a forest, before it can get to the other side, the other side trees of all kinds are making stuff that they release in their sap that discourages or kills the insects. It's not us only that are fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything he makes is made wonderfully and miraculously. So there's this network, literally a network in a forest. This is the kind of life and healing that we are to have in the body. Yeah. We don't have the right to hold on to it. We just don't have the right to hold on to it. So Jesus said, get on the lampstand. And he knew what he was saying to the people because it wasn't a candlestick. Now you may see some translations Let's say candlestick. It wasn't a candlestick. It was a lampstand. That's where he said to put your light. 
That's all I've got. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. That was, that was awesome. Um, that's always one of the verses I, you know, speaking about the lampstands and stuff. And it was like a song. I wanted to do a song today that pretty much talked about it, but I was like, you know what? Uh, maybe it's just personal, but it, it kind of lined up with everything you said. And it's like, talking about the uh, lampstands, like, you know, it, it's cool. It's, we're not to be hidden, but like you said, they be put on the lampstand to be shown for everybody so that they can see the light that you shine. And that light allows you to touch those other people. And sometimes you get a jump start on your wick from uh, off of theirs, you know. And that's like our, that's when the community comes together and it's like, you know, we're, we're here to help. And that's uh, the beauty of uh, a church, but the flame comes from the church. And I, I thank you, Tom, for um, sharing that today. So with that, if um, if anybody needs prayer, please come up. You know, we have people that do want to pray for you and want to love on you. Um, I just thank you for everybody to come today. You know, go out there, enjoy this beautiful weather. Go out to the, check out the announcement. Go out and enjoy the beach. You know, it's a beautiful day for it. Make sure you put sunscreen on. We had, there's like eight people we seen faint yesterday because of the heat. So it's it's pretty dangerous out there. No, she didn't. We had to leave early. I looked everywhere, <laughs> and then we talked the entire time on the way up, so I forgot to be like, hey, can we stop and get some? Hence this. Anyway, well, the song that he wanted to do, and I realized I forgot the chord sheet in the printer at home, um, actually perfectly goes well with this. So I just want to read the lyrics. I think it's very encouraging, and I think this is a really good go forth. Um, but the song is called Make Us Ready by Harvest, and it, it goes, Let there be oil in my lamp, let the fire not go out, when I hear the bridegroom comes. And then it repeats a lot. Make us ready. So take my lamp set, take my lamp, set it on a hill, set it on a lampstand. I won't be hidden. I'll be the drippings. I'll be dripping with the oils of love. I'll be dripping with the oils of love. And it's a really beautiful song if you get a chance to check it out on YouTube or something called Make Us Ready. Um, but it perfectly went well with what you said. I wish I grabbed it from the printer. Um, but yeah, go out and be a light. Be the light that he's fueling and sit on that lampstand. Be blessed.